eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential. Through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Look to your left. Look to your right. Yep, no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. And we are back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. A little bit of a hiatus, a couple of weeks. We had certainly basketball to focus a lot on, spring football. Uh, And now we are recalibrated, focused on spring recruiting, on the likely end to the dead period that is coming up, that is fast approaching. So looking forward to that. A lot of visits lined up in June. And our travels, our travels as a staff are really picking up as we had team members out on location across the Midwest. As I always say, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it, be sure to review it, and tell all your friends about it. It's available wherever they get their podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, whatever platform they like, they can find the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Just search Michigan Insider Podcast, and up they'll come. Select Michigan Recruiting Insider. Joining me, the team, as they do every single week, starting off with Bryce Marich. Bryce, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Glad you're back with us. Steve Lorenz. Steve, good afternoon. What's up, guys? Everything's good. And we were able to steal him away from all of his you know, his busy schedule. He always has something going on, but he <laughs> took pity on us and is joining us for a few minutes to recap his travels down to Illinois last weekend. Josh Newkirk. Mr. Newkirk, how are you? Gentlemen, thank you for having me. No, there is no pity here. I am glad to be here. So let's let's start off right with you. Josh, as you made your way down to Illinois, I've been we had been hearing that Tyler McLaurin, Michigan linebacker commitment, had been killing it for Bolingbrook in this uh, this season, the season that was postponed here until the uh, the winter slash spring. So you got a chance to get down there to see him last Friday, and then Saturday, you went over to a place we've been seemingly a number of times over the last couple of years, Nazareth Academy, and you saw. Uh, wide receiver, one of the top targets on Michigan's board, Tyler Morris. But let's start with the first Tyler, Tyler McLaurin. What did you see in the 2021 Michigan linebacker commit? I mean, he's every bit of six, six, two, 210 pounds, athletic guy. Uh, I, you know, I see a guy that honestly, he's, he can play in the middle. He can play on the edge. Uh, he's going to add some depth to this 2021 class. Yeah. It's weird to go see a kid in the spring. That's going to be joining Michigan here in a couple months, but He's going to join Junior Colson in this in this linebacker class, and he's a guy that can make plays in space, athletic. Uh, and then just talking to him after the game, he's working on getting stronger, faster, and he's he's well aware that there's an opportunity up there if he gets in, gets the right mindset, physically and mentally, to go in Ann Arbor and contribute. And that's the feedback that he's getting from the you know his soon-to-be teammates uh, that are in the already participating in spring practice. You know, with Junior Colson, that's sort of the, the feedback he's getting from him. Hey, you can go in there and contribute. And we know that Junior has had a pretty strong spring. He's one of the standouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the same thing with J.J. McCarthy and some of the other guys in the class saying, like, you know, you put in the right – put in the put in the work, you'll, you'll get an opportunity to play up here. And so he's he, – I'm not going to say he's going to go in there. He's going to be a guy that can uh, start right away. But I think he's a guy that, you know, will, he'll probably be on special teams. He's a guy – he might have a chance to get in, in, in into the two deep, and we'll see what happens. Um, he, and he showed some strong suits in that game. It was a team that tried to pass the ball a lot and wasn't really running it right up the middle, right up to uh, right, you know, right to him. But uh, he's definitely a guy that you know I like in this class. I was curious. I think the the thing, if there's a question about him, because uh, size wise he has it. Uh, phys- physicality. I don't think anyone questions that. Is how fast is he? So could you? Could you sort of gauge watching him, comparing him to what's on the roster? Like, is he faster than Josh Ross? Do you think he's as fast as Junior Colson? Where would you rank him on the speed scale? Yeah, I'd say somewhere 
in between. I think Colson's the probably faster of the two, and Fol- Colson's probably the. I mean, from a defensive perspective, he's probably the best physical specimen in this class. So I don't want to put him right there with Junior, but I think he's like maybe a half step behind him. They do think that he does have speed, but I'm not going to go on the. Is he a four six guy, a four five? You know, like I mean, if you can get him going there and run a high four fives, and and you'll take that all day. So, um, I, I you know I don't know. I that, that's a tough to gauge, Sam, but he does have nice football speed. I'll say that. Yeah. Okay. So faster than Josh Ross, not as fast as Junior Colson. Now look, Steve. I know you've heard similarly when it comes to Junior Colson. They were like, man, not <laughs> funny. I was talking to one of the guys inside. He says, now, he doesn't have a clue what he's doing. <laughs> but whatever direction he's going in, he is going fast. Like this dude can really run, can really move, can really change direction. And it just seems like every time there's a play, this dude is around the football. So they're like, man, when he learns, when he learns the scheme, when he learns what he's doing, I got a comment from a guy who is not one for hyperbole. So, man, I think he has all American potential here at the University of Michigan. That's one spring in Ann Arbor. And I know he hasn't played on just that level of athleticism. Let's just put it that way. We don't know how well or how soon it's going to translate on the field, Steve, on the game field. But just on the practice field, watching him run around, it's been just uh, a relentless you know, change of direction, speed, willing to be physical and stick his nose in there. He has all the physical traits that are consistent with what an All-American looks like. Well, you'd hope for, too. It's kind of what the book was on him, right? He had the, as, as Josh had, best physical specimen defensively in the class. You know, and he's a guy that I, I think, I wasn't, I don't, I don't think any of us were. I think that there was concern out there about with the coaching change, what kind of fit he would be. I don't think that that was ever really an issue. Like, he's a kid that's could play at any any type of defense, uh, you know, and, and yeah, same thing. Didn't hear all American got the old, he has a chance, mm-hmm. which is always like, it, it sounds mundane, but it's always like code for like, has a chance means he could be really, really, really good uh, at the college level. So uh, you'll kind of take that and say, <clears throat> so first test passed, right? I mean, that's really what it is for him. And uh, they need it. Right? <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, they need a guy like this. Yeah. And we talk about, Michigan, you know, kind of a, uh, they need first year guys to step up. I mean, if they're one of the, the pro, they feel like a program that recruits a lot of high talent, but it t- takes a little while. We talked about that a lot last year defensively. I think that was a lot of uh, like the last staff, you know, looking to play vets and play other guys ahead. I think this staff is much more open to letting the, just the talent shine. So if Junior can build on a good spring camp in the fall, I don't think there's any doubt we'll see him in the field in some capacity this season. Yeah, you're right, Steve. That was a great statement. We all laughed because we were like, yep, they need him. They they need that for, <laughs> for, for sure. They need big-time athleticism and influx of that. Uh, if if you want a picture, you know what, uh, what I envisioned or who I envisioned when they say he doesn't know what he's doing, he just goes everywhere fast. It's like when Cameron Grown first hit the field. Like, you know. He was going somewhere fast. It wasn't always the right place, but he was going somewhere fast. And I think that Junior is going to see the field sooner than Cam. I I think partly out of necessity, partly out of, I think, this staff's willingness to, unless there is a a surefire, like, guy ahead of him that, you know, you you just got to put on the field. You go with the young guy. And I think this defensive staff is going to do that. But let's switch back over to Newkirk. And so that was your Friday night game. Watching Bolingbrook and Tyler McLaurin, you went and saw another Tyler, one that a lot of us think that you know Michigan is out front for. You know, JJ McCarthy is one of his former top targets, wide receiver Tyler Morris. So, what did you see from Mr. Morris on Saturday? Yeah, so this is the third time I've seen Tyler in the I'd say past fourteen months. Uh, athletic kid, they it was it. <laughs> You know, you got to sometimes survive the elements. It's not just the football players that have to go uh, see the go to these games and play in the games. It was a rainy afternoon. <laughs> it was coming down. I had the, the umbrella out uh, trying to shoot some highlights. And we also had two teams that were struggling to score. So they tried to get him the ball. They tried to put him in the H-back position, trying to give him the ball, get him some handoffs. 
I'll tell you this, and, and no offense to this young man, his quarterback he had was not J.J. McCarthy. So it's – the first time I saw Tyler play – actually, excuse me, it's the fourth time I seen him play. He made some incredible catches. The ball just wasn't in the, the spot for him to make incredible catches. So they, try, they tried to do what they could as far as just getting him the ball, maybe some swing passes. But the, the, I will say the opposing team sort of tried to keep him in front of them. And if, he was, if there was a, uh, any plays down the field, he wasn't necessarily getting an opportunity to make a play down the field. So it, it wasn't the most spectacular performance I've been to as far as seeing Tyler Morris, but I know what the kid is capable of. I've seen him enough times to know that this kid can play. He can, he's, he's done it in the 7-7 game. I've seen him do it in an actual high school game prior. So it wasn't the best game to gauge his talent. What about what about on the recruiting side of things? What did he say about where things stand in his recruitment? So far as a recruiting, I, I would say, you know, I talked to him about Michigan, obviously. says He didn't say, I have to phrase it how he said it. it wasn't that Michigan is a top school. They are one of his top schools. I think they, he considers them a top school is what he said. So in his top schools, in no particular order, are Michigan, Notre Dame, and Florida. Those are the three schools that he wants to take an official visit to. He has one scheduled with the Irish on June 19th, I believe. Uh, nothing is set in stone with Michigan, but he will get, he will, he plans to take an official to Michigan. He plans on taking an official to Florida. Uh, I think having JJ at Michigan, JJ McCarthy, as you mentioned, one of his good friends, they played at Nazareth together. That is going to play a huge role. He still talks to JJ on the regular. So I'm going to just leave that, that, I mean, that's just, it's always a big tell in my mind. I think he just wants to come up to Michigan and, there's nothing really particular he wants to see. He just wants to have, you know, we've heard this before. We've talked to so many recruits. You guys know this. He wants to have a good vibe. He wants to feel like this is a place he can be. So that's that's really what it's going to come down to is if Michigan can make him feel comfortable. He's already got he's already got a good quarterback he's comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So, and that quarterback is his boy. He went to high school together, played seven-on-seven seven football together. So, I you know, I think that helps Michigan there. I do think that he's built, he's built a pretty strong – uh, relationship with Notre Dame as well, but I do, I do, I would say if I was going to pick the three, and I think you know I have a crystal ball for him. I know I believe you do, and so does Steve. We, it's I think Michigan is the leader here. I would be surprised if he doesn't pick Michigan. And then, it, and then it comes down to this: if he doesn't, he says he wants to for sure go to those three schools. If he doesn't go to any of those three schools, we could look at be looking at a decision in like July. And I have yeah. that on video. Yeah, that's kind of what I was looking for, and, and obviously folks can be on the lookout for the interviews with both of these young men coming up on the MichiganInsider.com. But I, I guess my main question for Tyler Morris was what's his timeline because, yep. you know, Michigan is – is there are a few receivers that, that they're pushing, that they're pushing for, but he's the guy that they've been on the longest. And yep. I just feel like – and I wonder what, what you guys think, Steve and Bryce. I feel like while Penn State – it's certainly one of his top three. I think this is a Michigan Notre Dame battle, and that those are the. I mean, really, Penn State. I remember him saying that they really just started turning it back up on him in in like March. Like it's only here recently that they that they jumped back into the fold, right? Sam, so, he Sam, he didn't even say they were in the picture. He said it was Florida, not Penn State. Okay, yeah, wow. So, they, so they, he didn't even mention that he even wanted to go to Penn State. Yeah, so I think it's Michigan Notre Dame, man. And Michigan Notre Dame, in my opinion, I think. Notre Dame is a close second, and I think it's really he's just going to compare the visits. Yeah, he 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 he's been talking to their coaches. He's been talking to Michigan's coaches. He's been talking to Steve Angeli. But you got JJ McCarthy here. I mean, just right. it, it would just be a, a big time upset. I I, want, I don't know if your opinion has changed on that, Steve, or if yours has, Bryce. But I, I nothing has shaken me from the belief that that Michigan is still the team to beat for him. I think this is one of those that would be, this would be one of those big disappointments. Biggest reason, I think, I think Notre Dame also for a while, I think things had slowed down a little bit. You know, I think there was a time early in the process, probably around the time we all put in crystal balls, because I think all four of us have one in for Michigan here. Uh, I feel like there was a time in there where Notre Dame really wasn't prioritizing him as much as Michigan was. So your hope is that if you're Michigan, that, Notre Dame maybe cooling it off, cooling things off for a little bit is sort of something he'll keep in the back of his mind, you know, when it comes to crunch time, because there's no doubt. I mean, Michigan's got to be recruiting him really hard. So they have they've barely expanded their receiver board 
in 22. Feels like a really, really concentrated group of guys that they're after. And they've treated Morris like a top target for, geez, what, two and a half years at this point, I feel like. I mean, yeah. straight straight through, too. Uh, no hiccups in that pursuit. So that's one of the things I think you kind of hope for is, does Notre Dame's success on the field last year, can that, is that, I mean, you know, that's going to be their ace in the hole, I feel like. Does that overcome you know, Michigan's consistent pursuit and the McCarthy connection, you know, two big, two big factors. So, and Sharon, you know, Gaddis, and then you have Sharon Moore, uh, two of their better recruiters on staff that have been really the primaries there the whole time as well. So they have that going for them also. When I look at his recruitment, it kind of reminds me of Dylan Tatum, where it just seems kind of the obvious pick, you know, like what you guys all laid out. It just, he's got his former quarterback there he's got connections he's been to campus before when he came up for the Wisconsin game with JJ and all those guys and had a great time for that self-guided visit so at this point it's just about closing the deal and I think if they can get these guys up on campus like Josh said he's looking to do that could be all it takes so right now I mean he's a guy was he top 100 kid yeah so those are kids you really need to land if you're trying to take that next step as a program as well all right. All right. So I think we are pretty well set with Newkirk's travels. And so what video highlights and interviews, what can we anticipate seeing from that? Yeah, uh, I am actually transcribing the Tyler Morris uh, interview right now. So that will be up and both 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 video interviews will be up this week. Same with the I got to go through the highlights and see what I have. Um, I think I can get highlights of both players. And we'll try to um, we'll put them out there. And uh, also, I want to add, and let, if Morris somehow does not pan out as a wide receiver, he is a guy I think that has potential. He could play safety, and okay. and he could play D one safety. So I, I I do believe that. So some those are sometimes considerations when you're recruiting a guy. So he's a, definitely a guy. He would be a great get for Michigan in this class. Gotcha. All right, Mister Newkirk, appreciate your time, man. We'll see you over on the site. All right, thanks, guys. All right, that was. Josh Newkirk, be sure to look out for his info, intel, and reports on the Tylers. And so now we shift gears into the other member of the team that was out and about as Bryce Marich made his way back down to the belly of the beast outside of Columbus, Ohio. Was it Obets, Ohio is the name of the city? Yes, it was. Yeah, Obets, Ohio for the Under Armour Midwest camp. And there were some Michigan targets in attendance, commitment in attendance, so Kind of give us the highlights, the broad stroke of what you saw as it relates to Michigan down there. So you had, obviously, being right outside Columbus, um, there's a lot of Ohio State commits. So there are a lot of Ohio State flavor, a lot of Ohio State reporters. I was one of the few <laughs> Michigan reporters standing there. But just like me, you know, there was Michigan targets. And there's also a Michigan commit, Tayshon Trent. He's from, you know, East Detroit. Um, East Point, he's been committed now for quite a bit. Four-star wide receiver. Wasn't his best day. Um, had a couple drops. Some were his fault and some were his, not his fault. It was the quarterback just having, you know, bad throws, and he didn't have many reps. He's a kid, though, that obviously you look at him. He's 6'4", 205. I think he might even be bigger than that. He could definitely grow into a tight end. Right now the plan is for wide receiver on the outside being that big. Nico Collins sort of wide out they're looking for in that receiving room, which has quite a few shorter guys. Um, so he definitely fits the bill in terms of natural ability. He showed size, strength. Um, he can out muscle, you know, smaller DBs, but it, like he made it to me, it wasn't his greatest day. Um, and it had, you know, it happens, you know, he's coming off basketball season. So he wasn't even really in the sport at the time. Um, he's doing that transition, but he's a guy where, Michigan fans should still be excited about because you could see the talent, you could see the frame, you could see the ability. It's just one of those things where it just wasn't his day. But, you know, like I said, he's a guy that can do a lot and should be a factor in their offense going forward. In terms of the groups, quarterback group was a group I really focused on for Michigan. Headliner for terms of targets was Detroit King. I I think he's a five-star, maybe high four-star for us. Uh, Dante Moore. He's a kid that I feel like every camp, either Sam, you, me, Josh, whoever has been at, he's just shined. He's been really good. You know, and even these conditions were very rainy, uh, windy, 
kind of cloudy. wasn't the greatest, you know, throwing conditions, obviously. He was throwing darts. I mean, some of these were in small windows. Some of the DBs did a really good job on these wideouts. He was, you know, throwing with good accuracy, and that was on the run. So he just shows he, – he basically showed why he's one of the top guys, you know, in terms of the 2023 class. And he, following this good performance, earned a future 50 invite. So he's the guy, like I said, I really like – Michigan's still pushing extremely hard. But one thing he said is, you know, I want to get up there and I want to meet the new quarterbacks coach, Mac Wise. So that's kind of on his to-do list, something he wants when he does get up there, visit Michigan – Hoping to do this summer, doesn't know if that's going to happen, but that's something he wants to do. Moving along, a couple other in-state quarterbacks that look really good. CJ Carr, we talked about the grandson, Lloyd Carr. Um, first time I've ever seen him. He's a big, taller, physically impressive guy. Um, he throws a really good ball. He was one of the more impressive quarterbacks there. I know Alan True was there. Steve Wil- Wilfong were there. And they both gave him praise as well, and they thought he was – really well and really good thrower. Um, like I said, he moved great on the run and he can do a lot of things as well. Isaiah Marshall from Southfield, Michigan, different kind of stature, a little shorter, um, but he throws with great velocity. I mean, this kid can really get the ball there in a hurry and uh, pinpoint accuracy. Really like him. And it's funny because when I was watching all these guys, I was thinking like Michigan in terms of the quarterback room, they could recruit the state of Michigan for years to come and never have to leave in terms of quarterbacks. I mean, all these guys are in-state guys and they're all from, you know, the 2023 class to 2024. And then finally Belleville, Michigan quarterback, Bryce Underwood, who's going to be a name wow. to watch. He's, <laughs> How did he, look? he he looked pretty good, you know, and he's, he does, here's the thing about him. He passes the eyeball test for an incoming freshman of high school, 6'2", 180. He looks like a kid that could play wide out tight end I mean he just looks physically impressive but then when you watch him throw the ball you're like okay he's got talent actually throwing it as well so 23 to the 24 to the 25 class Michigan in my opinion doesn't have to leave the stadium just to recruit a quarterback which is very impressive you know that's just in terms of the talent overall and these are guys you know I think eventually the three of them have offers Bryce, I wouldn't be shocked to see offer down the road. And Michigan, you know, they've shown they're not afraid to offer middle schoolers, let alone freshmen. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him get an offer. Tavon Jackson, I'm going to bring him up. He's a 2022 quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at the camp, and I talked to him because he eliminated Michigan from his top list. But Michigan was on him pretty pretty strongly. He's from Center Grove out there in Indiana. And Michigan – depending on how his top list shakes out and how those schools shake out, could possibly enter the picture again. Really? If all else fails. So that's something to watch. I'm not saying I think their top target still is Nate Johnson from Clovis, California. He's going to be coming up for a, a visit. But just keep an eye on Tavon Jackson. Just just keep an eye on if things you know falter with other targets and with his suitors falter as well. You know, I was wondering what you thought of a young kid that I know you watched recently. I believe it was at the Pylon event. But they keep calling the kid here in the state. They keep calling him Megatron. But but Nick Marsh, what did you what did you think of him in this setting? Yeah, kid from River Rouge. He's got a teammate committed, Devontae Miles. Um, I watched him. Again, physically impressive. He's 6'3", 6'4". And the thing about him is he can just go up and get the ball. I mean, he can just moss guys left and right. And he's got good ball skills. He's physical and he can move. He's not some slow tight end. You know, I mean, when I watch him, I'm like, he's going to be big time. And it showed after his state championship game, he next, they got four offers, including one from Michigan. So now for a couple weeks span here in between, I've seen him twice and he's, he fits the bill. He could be maybe one of the top players. And not only the state of Michigan, but the Midwest when those rankings come out. So I'm a huge fan of him. I really like him and I like what he can do. There's a lot of guys saying there's Sony Styles, you know, there's Jada Mangum, there's Carson Heinzman, Amir Herring. I'm just rattling off names, but stay locked into the Michigan Insider. We're going to have full interviews coming up and much more. All right. A lot to be excited about. One of the things to really be excited about is the end of the dead period. Guys, I mean, man, 
when was the last time we talked about official visits? Was it it was the the winter of 2020, right? Obviously, COVID hit, and there's been a constant state of of dead period status uh, in the NCAA across the sports spectrum ever since. Any visits you've heard about have all been of the dead period variety, and what that means is kids can come to campus on their own dime, and they can have no interaction with the programs. Surprisingly and absurdly, they can't even talk on the phone to coaches while they're. I was like, come on, man, this is this is ridiculous. You can't talk on the phone to the coaches while you're on campus. Like, give me a break. But uh, they went that far as to as to say that. But now that is slowly but surely looks like it's going to come to an end, guys. And schools are steadily preparing for it. I know we'll get deep into the uh, the names that are on the visit list coming up in the month of June, but. Uh, you know, we all have never seen anything like this on the recruiting trail. And it's going to make for a very interesting next few years as far as the evals that these coaches did because they weren't able to get out and see the guys that they finished the 2021 classes with, their 2021 classes with, nor were they able to see some of the guys they extended these 2022 offers to and that they're accepting commitments from before they're able to actually get out and see him in person so it's going to be really interesting to see how how good some of these evals were steve so what if the kid like drives like where's the campus boundary where they could go out and actually take the phone call from the coach right because <laughs> they could talk to him any other time right it's like gotta be the dumbest rule i've ever heard like what is the sense of uh not allowing a staff to at least like give a kid some kind of a guide like while they're out there and not having to force them to do it beforehand and um, but yeah, no, uh, you know, wonder, you know, if kids show <laughs> any, are there going to be any instances of a, a kid showing up two inches shorter and 30 pounds lighter than what he's listed or what they think he is. Right. I mean, it is, this is going to be this cycle, especially we, I'd mentioned it. Maybe I think it might've ended up being a little off. Uh, I think this cycle more than last cycle, we're going to learn a lot about who evaluates well mm-hmm. and who doesn't. There's guys right now, I, I just feel, you know, because you can only watch, we, everyone's been relegated to watching the same film, basically, at this point. I know staffs get a little more detail, a little bit more, but there are some 80, 85, 86, 87s out there that don't look like 85, 86s, and 87s um, when you watch them, when you watch the highlight videos, you know, but but will the rankings end up reflecting that or or a lot of these going to stay static. You know, I think that's going to be something to watch, but for Michigan so far, you know, a lot of what looked like really good evaluations, in my opinion, particularly on the defensive side, uh, offensively things have pretty much stayed the same because that most of that side of the ball is intact. You know, I think Hart, Mike Hart has, has added a couple different targets on at running back, but he's still recruiting a lot of the same guys that Jay Harbaugh was, but uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, will the tweeners that they're sort of recruiting as that edge guy get any respect in the rankings? Cause they're, you know, you guys have seen it for years. Linebacker never gets, it's so hard to evaluate a linebacker in a seven on seven or at an under armor type camp. Cause all they do, they're, they're usually in compromised positions. Like running back linebacker always like the weirdest spots to try to project in those types of settings. Cause you don't get the classic one-on-ones like you do wide receiver, defensive back and uh, you know, uh, defensive lineman, offensive lineman. So be fascinating to see some of these guys at Michigan's recruiting and evaluating how well do they change course on any of these guys or do they go harder on some of these guys that they that they feel like they've evaluated really well. That's going to be one of the big questions. They've got about what 16, 14, 15 guys, I think, uh, scheduled at some point in June mm-hmm. at this point. And we'll see if that will that'll definitely grow. But yeah, who stays as a top target, who kind of you know, falters off a little bit afterwards. Like it's 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 gonna happen. It'll be really interesting. All right. So what we'll do is we'll take a pause here, and then when we come back on the other side, we will get into how things are shaping up for Michigan as the dead period is you know set to come to an end. Now, as of recording time, it's expected. There was a report. I believe it was uh, CBS Sports's Dennis Dodd actually reported that the NCAA um, Division One Council is expected to uh, meet this week, and they are expected to set an end date of June 1st for the dead period. Uh, so, again, it's it's just expected right now. It's not 100% etched in stone, but uh, coaches, programs, they have been planning like June 1st will be the end date 
uh, for the last month now. And it, it looks like uh, all signs are, are pointing in that direction still. So uh, when we come back on the other side, we will dive into, as I said, how things are shaping up. We will all pick the visitor that we think is maybe the, the most important, the most significant visitor in a month of very significant visitors. And then we'll also talk about the key addition to Michigan's personnel slash recruiting staff that is set to be finalized here in the weeks leading up to the end of the dead period, which is a a crucial moment to bring in a a person of this magnitude, a staff member of this magnitude in an off-field capacity. You'll remember the name Courtney Morgan, a former offensive lineman for the University of Michigan. Uh, His hire, from what I'm I'm told, is imminent uh, at the University of Michigan. And we'll get into the significance of that, what it means, how impactful he could be for Michigan, and why we'll return here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. For the past 20 years, you've enjoyed the refreshing tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So in celebration of this milestone, we're bringing Baja Blast in stores nationwide. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. 2024 is the year of Baja Blast. In stores now, no purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 18 plus. Subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com and 615.24. Void where prohibited. And we're back, folks, on the Michigan Recruiting Insider, joined once again by Steve Lorenz and Bryce Marich. And so I teased before we went to the break, guys, about a key off-field addition for Michigan. Uh, it's it's imminent. Uh, it may, maybe by the time this podcast is posted, maybe it will have happened already. But all signs point to former Michigan offensive lineman Courtney Morgan joining Michigan staff in personnel. Uh, it could be director of player personnel, director of player development, some title like that. And while that certainly is indicative of someone who will be deeply involved with the inner workings of the player and parent interactions and their off-field development, their pro prospects and helping coordinate that once those guys start to look formally at going pro, uh, he will absolutely be involved in recruiting. You know, it would be a crime if he he wasn't. He absolutely would be involved in recruiting because his claim to fame in that arena is he started out as a personnel guy with UCLA under Jim Mora on Jim Mora's staff back in the early 2010s, and he was there for a couple of years, and you know had was a part of UCLA really making some headway uh, in California. You know, he was a a pretty good recruit out of LA uh, along with a guy, a former Michigan player named Charles Drake, uh, back in the day. He actually came in. The same class that Ron Bellamy came in in 99 and, and court redshirted and then played from 2000 to 2003. But this is a big personality guy, a big connections guy. And you might remember, and I know you guys do, we had this this conversation here on the podcast when we were talking about what would be important when Jim Harbaugh went out on the, the hiring trail and added assistance. I know I felt like he needed to make sure that you know, while you wanted great coaches, you didn't want great coaches who for who recruiting was an afterthought. And Steve, you were kind of saying the same thing. Recruiting was huge. You know, they needed fresh, aggressive, energetic guys. You know, I thought we right. We all thought that was the uh, the overarching theme here. That is what they needed to do. And like you said, you don't do it at the complete cost of uh, coaching ability. You know, and that's where we always, I think we always thought Linguist was such a home run hire yeah. because he's coming from the NFL, but had that recruiting acumen, you know, as a guy that was one of the best recruiters on Texas A&M staff, if not their best, uh, when he was there. So, huge, it had to be a huge emphasis on, on you know, culture was one thing we talked about more, maybe as far as like within Schembechler, but as far as like the other stuff, recruiting, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely getting like young, aggressive, energetic guys to kind of... Uh, maybe almost literally shake the dust mm-hmm. off 
and, and get to work. Yeah, I think I, I think where Courtney is very similar is he is that that big personality connections gonna bring players to the table. Like people keep asking me, so so what will he bring unique to the equation? I, I think from an intel standpoint, um, you know, he's a guy that will be so connected that he will be able to find out who to get close to in a in a recruitment in order to improve your chances. He'll be able to find out whether there's whether it's worth your time to get involved in a recruitment. He will have those kinds of sources day one. And so he will position the recruiting department to to bring more prospects to coaches as opposed to the other way around, which is huge. I mean, you know, coaches have to coach and and, and certainly they're going to have their connections in certain areas that they bring to the table, but to have more guys coming from the recruiting staff that they discovered by virtue of their connections is invaluable. You cannot beat that is huge uh, because it it reduces the amount of pressure on some of those coaches. And then so the relationship building with with parents, with trainers. I mean, this is uh, one of the hidden aspects of to me as far as the function of a recruiting department. You know how Mo Linguist came in. He got he has connections to trainers in Tennessee. Man, if you had uh, a recruiting staff that had connections to trainers to seven on seven coaches across the country i mean those those teams imagine a seven on seven team playing in a tournament in indianapolis and saying you know what well we're gonna bring the entire team up to michigan i mean they're in indianapolis that'd be it seems like hey why not it's a four-hour difference just make the trip up those are the kinds of of avenues that i think a guy like courtney morgan can open up and then to not pigeonhole him because he is super connected all across, you know, the West coast from Washington down to Arizona. Uh, you know, there are some guys that I think he's going to impact immediately uh, on the recruiting trail. Uh, you know, a guy who jumps to mind for me, I'm willing to bet you, cause I was just asking Brandon Huffman about uh, Josh Connerly. You know, I know Michigan has been trying to get in on that one, right. Uh, you know, trying to make some headway. He's been somewhat responsive uh, and, you know, they're on the periphery, but that's the kind of guy. That's the kind of guy that a Courtney Morgan can can get you more involved in. But we've been talking a lot about Ohio, right? Did they hire anyone with Ohio connections? And the answer was no until Courtney Morgan joins the staff. Courtney Morgan's parents are from Canton, Ohio. You know, they, they are, I think, Canton McKinley grads. His cousin, and I mean, man. If John Beeline had a maybe it's a Tommy Amaker recruit. If Tommy Amaker had a known, he had a connection to Raymar Morgan. You guys remember Raymar Morgan played for Michigan State? A Ken McKinley guy. Michigan recruited Raymar Morgan vigorously. They were all over Raymar Morgan. Lost Raymar Morgan to Michigan State. His last name is Morgan. Do you know who his cousin is, Bryce Maris? Do you care to guess who his cousin is? I'm going to go with Courtney. That's my first <laughs> His guess. cousin is Courtney Morgan, man. Uh, and so, man, if Tommy Abaker had known that, he might have had a, a plug to help him lure Raymar Morgan into the fold. But that's water under the bridge. Point being, you have a guy who comes in with some Ohio ties. And with an understanding, having been at Michigan before, there's never been an era of Michigan football, a good era of Michigan football, that didn't have prominent players from Ohio. It's never happened, guys. And while Ohio may not be the talent producer that it once was, we can all agree, uh, the fact that Michigan is not consistently a factor with the top players in Ohio in the way that Ohio State is a factor with the top players in Michigan, they may not get them, they might, but they, they at least are making Michigan have to work harder to guard their yard. Michigan has, to me, in my opinion, I don't know what you guys think, Definitely needs to do that. Maybe not to the extent of like Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke had five guys in Ohio. Now it, it reaps some dividends. You get a Demonte Thomas. You get a you get a Devion Smith. You get a Taco Charlton and a Chris Wormley. I mean, it reaps some some positive dividends. But I just don't know at this point that it warrants that kind of attention. But to to have a couple of guys posted up in Ohio as a territory where you're you're hitting Canton, Columbus. Cleveland and Cincinnati consistently. I, I mean, I, I just don't think that that's wasted time for Michigan. And I think that Courtney 
because of his Ohio ties, will come in with that mindset, Steve. And I, I just think, again, connections, man. Connections. I, re- recruiting to me is a relationship game, and you're hiring a relationship guy in your personnel department. I think that's going to be absolutely huge for Michigan guys. So check out his bio at San Jose State. And the one thing that really stood out to me was this. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Morgan is the co-founder of the Peer Influence Group, a company founded in 2017 to match emerging brands with amazing talent. Morgan represented 10 national football league players while assembling traditional and emerging media outlets and television and internet to increase awareness and expand their clients' profiles. Hmm. Wonder why (laughs) that might sound important in today's college football atmosphere. A guy with agent, with agent experience and brand awareness with the, uh, the NIL stuff going through and is going to change college football. Uh, feel like every program is going to have to hire or look at a guy with some kind of experience in that field and avenue, you know, and I got to wonder if that was another really, really easy, you know, another feather in his cap as far as like, okay, this could pay dividends for us, not just from the connection standpoint, but also the fact that this guy has a grip on, well, because that's what's going to turn into is you're not just going to be recruiting players. You're going to be pitching, you know, how the Michigan brand can help them not just as a football player, but as putting some money in the old back pocket, you know? And so, you know, getting a guy like this in right now, uh, I think is, you got to think he's going to be the guy to maybe set the framework for how Michigan is going to do that, run that whole portion of their operation. It's got to be. It's a terrific point. A terrific foresight, Steve. I think you're spot on. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it's a, a byproduct consideration. I think that uh, looking at how this played out, I mean, he do everything I heard had him on his way to Mississippi State. Mississippi State was prepared to hire him to run their personnel slash recruiting department. Uh, and just hearing from some guys in Michigan circles, they're like, hey, man, <laughs> Court, Court was going to Mississippi State, but now it looks like Michigan caught wind of it and, and they jumped in on him. And, and so people say, well, how does that work with, with their current recruiting staff and Dudek being the director of of recruiting for Michigan, this this to me is like, uh, you know, whether it's on offense or defense, having a co coordinator. That's what it's like. I mean, it may not be it may not be called co recruiting coordinator, but that's essentially what this is. I mean, this is a much like you see on uh, you know Gaddis and and Sharon or or McDonald and Linguist. Uh, you know, this is this is like that when you talk about. Uh, standing or positioning as far as recruiting is concerned. I think that he's a guy whose who's influence, whose connections will be at, at the forefront of, of, of Michigan, Michigan's recruiting efforts moving forward. They will be in on more. Remember we said when they, they made these hires, linguist, you know, Ron Bellamy, Mike Hart, you know, they bring these guys in. We're like, they're going to be in on more guys. Courtney Morgan comes into Michigan, as is is expected. Michigan will be in on more guys, prominently so. Not just lip service. They will be in on more guys. They will have more connections to players across the country. And people keep asking me, are they going to be more involved in Ohio? Yes. Courtney, absolutely. Are they going to have a better chance with guys on the West Coast? Yes, because they will be more informed with guys on the West Coast. This is going to help a guy like Sean Nua immensely because that's that's where he's trying i mean he's recruiting guys out there right right so you know to have in your back pocket to you know piggyback on steve's reference to have in your back pocket a guy who has connections out there that can you know tell you who to get close to who you got to talk to to help you with some of those relationships out there and some of the guys you're trying to get in on invaluable resource yeah like you mentioned i mean now more popular is the trainers and these seven on seven coaches, Absolutely. you know, and if he's in with all these guys, he can tell Sean, say, Hey, this is the type of guy, this is the guy you need to talk to, which will lead to the kid and the family. This is, you know, and then from there, the ball gets rolling. And obviously in, you know, big thing for me looking at this recruiting staff connections, I mean, Ashawn Larkins, Larkins, you can, yeah. you can feel his you, you know sure fingerprints can. all over the recruiting aspect of what they're doing. I mean, the state of, Alabama, they've offered, I think, Steve, I, you had a, I don't know if you a tweet or something about they've offered, the only state more kids they've offered is in the state of Florida. 
That's it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's insane. You know, Florida and then Alabama, you wouldn't think Alabama would be number two, but it's Alabama. And so you just got to go where these connections are. So you mentioned Ashawn, and I think it's, it's worthy of note that, you know, the move that Harbaugh, because he was, he was in the, you know, on the coaching side of things. He moved down from, from the analyst role to, to coaching, you know, when they had, a, you know, when the whole thing happened with uh, who's the, the coach now who's not Bob Shoot. Bob Shoot. Yeah, when, when Bob Shoot, when that whole whole deal went down, Ashawn went down on the field. Now we saw a lot of the GAs and analysts move on. You know, James Ross is at Hope College. You know, Mike McCray is at Notre Dame. I mean, all those guys dispersed. But he made a point to tell Ashawn, I want you to go over to recruiting. I haven't talked to him about this, but just these moves make me think he looked at recruiting and said, I need to boost this. I, I need to address this in a tangible way. We saw him do it with the with the coaching staff. I think it had to be in his mind as he was making these hires, in addition to their coaching acumen. He, he didn't hire bums as coaches, but he made it a point to say, I want guys who can really recruit. And then he went to his recruiting department and moving Ashawn over there, and you got a feel for what he could bring to the table just looking at the Justice Finkley recruitment last year and it's carried over to this year, uh, Bryce, and we're feeling, Ashawn, like you said, as an off-field personnel guy, like I'm saying, we're going to feel Courtney Morgan, we're already feeling Ashawn Larkins like that. Yeah, and it's not just with Ashawn. You look at just the analysts. I think that's even got a very recruiting standpoint. You look at Ryan Osborne. I mean, Coach Oz, what they call him, and he's been offering kids left and right, and he's been one of the main people that's been offering these guys off the edge, these edge rushers that we you know keep hearing about and stuff like that that's going to fit and Mike McDonald's new defense. So recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. That's the life, you know, line of any program, they say. And Michigan and Jim Harbaugh has made it priority number one, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think if if you talk about where they were in 2016, where they were a yard away from beating Ohio State, to me, the biggest difference between then and now is I, I just – I don't think, especially on defense – especially on defense, that they were able to replenish that, you know, the talent level with with similar guys. You know, from, from 2016 on, you had Taco, Chris Wormley, DeMonte Thomas, and, you know, those guys. And, of course, you you wound up with, with Devin Bush. Devin Bush was probably the, you know, the, the biggest piece that you had. But other than that, there just wasn't that array of guys. I mean, think about that. You remember Mo Hurst was like, you know, he was like the, you know, the next guy. He wasn't even the main guy on that I mean, that just defense. look at their defense online. <laughs> just the top eight, not even the front four. It was eight. Yeah, I mean, they're rotating guys left and right, and those top eight, I mean, the back four could have started for most of the Big Ten. It was yeah. impressive. Yeah, you know? and so they just, they they did not replace that that talent level on that defense with similar talent. And so I that, to me, is why I think recruiting – had to be such an emphasis with the staff moves that he made. And I think we're really seeing that come to fruition now. And while, you know, the jury may be out on how quickly things will take hold on the field, especially defensively this year. Um, I, I don't think the jury is out as far as recruiting is concerned. They, they are a better recruiting staff now. And I think they will reap better recruiting dividends because of it. But let's start talking about visits guys visits. So, they, they're lining them up in June. Some big visit weekends. They aren't the only program, but they have some heavy hitters coming to campus. Uh, you know, Without going through all of them, and Steve, you've been, done a great job of keeping that list, a comprehensive list for people to follow over on the MichiganInsider.com. Let's just highlight a few. Let's each of us pick one guy, one guy in a, a month of important visitors. Let's pick the one guy that we'll say, hey, I think this is the most important guy because. And let's start with you, Steve, the most important guy. Or, or Bryce, which one of you guys, you care who starts first? Well, Sam, can I say, while we've been recording, the guy that you were going to pick did just literally set his official visit. So, Ah, yes, I see. And I got the text, too. Wow. So do you, do you want him then? Because if you, then I'll take the guy that you're going to take. If because it's pretty, I think it makes it pretty clear cut now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll go with the guy that I was I was waiting to hear about, 
and and then you can take the guy that I was going to pick then. So let's right, let's let's start with Bryce marriage then because it it connects with if, if it's not obvious we talked about this already right <laughs> like who we're gonna pick so like every podcast yeah it's so, pretty obvious. yeah so Bryce why don't you go with first with the guy that you pick as the most important visitor in the month of June in a month all these guys are important but who did you pick as the most important guy I'm gonna go with top two four seven defense alignment Justice Finkley down there in Alabama uh, Michigan's been recruiting him oof, since he visited back in 2019 for the House State game that's when he first got his offer and so he's been to campus. He really likes everything Michigan has to offer in terms of on the field and off the field. Huge academic kids. His family, both his parents are educators. They value the importance of his education immensely. I mean, Michigan just sent him a custom graphic of him operating on a football because he wants to be a neurosurgeon, which made his mom cry. I mean, she was in tears looking at this graphic. That was a great graphic. A great graphic. Fantastic. Was it? I wonder who did it. You know, because they think Aaron Bills, Aaron Bills did that because you know he he doesn't do all of them anymore. But I felt like that was Aaron too because you can tell the ones I feel like you could tell the ones that Aaron does because they are just like, This is a pro, (laughs) this is a this is the guy. Aaron, there isn't a better graphics, all the graphics guys in the country they like are based on Aaron Bills. So, I you know, I don't know if it's just from the standpoint of you know, he can't do them all anymore because there's so many, but the ones that he does do. You're like, wow, this dude is big time. Because that was a great graphic. Oh, it was it was amazing. And some of the cartoon ones that I've seen coming out, you know, it's just been, yeah, fantastic. But so Justice will be coming up for the Victor's Weekend, which is June 18th to the 20th. I want to say he was our first confirmed official visitor as well. So when he, you know, he's planning on taking all five. But for Michigan to get that first one and to get it in locked in so early, that's huge. And that also shows his interest. And a big part of that, Again, we just brought up his name earlier. Was Ashawn Larkin, who has built that bond not just with the kid, but with the family, with the circle. Again, we're talking about just people outside, just you know, the inner circle, like everyone that comes in contact with Justice. He's built that bond with them and showed, you know, how important he is to the program. He's going to be their top edge rusher target right now. I mean, they've compared him to Matt Judon. I haven't heard many comparisons to other NFL players yet from Mike McDonald, so that's a big giveaway. And he's the guy I think if they land him, it's going to open up doors to the state of Alabama. I'm not saying they're going to pull every five-star defensive lineman out there, but I think that's going to turn some head, open some eyes, and say, man, how did Michigan just get a four-star right from, you know, SEC country so that's my pick yeah and it's a great pick i think his you know what happens with him there are several other recruits really watching that uh and you know we'll go to 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 steve lorenz now and get your guy steve and and he's your guy is one of the guys who i think is really paying attention to what's going on with justice finkley i was gonna just be i was gonna go with mario eugenio first who also i think is a, a really big target for Michigan and a, and a really talented player. I think who I think is underrated uh, among the, the few that, that I've really believed that about, but uh, going to go with Walter Nolan, the five-star out of, well, he's out of Cordova, Tennessee now um, been around a little bit, but I mean, it kind of goes without saying he's the number two player in the country. Uh, a lot like Finkley though, it feels like Michigan's pushed all the right buttons so far. You know, they've played it about as well as they could. He took a visit up to Michigan, which is any visit right now is significant, regardless of circumstance, whatever. You take a visit to a college campus right now when you're when you can't talk or see anybody or whatever is noteworthy and means that you're uh, absolutely interested. So for him to already be up once, he's he's supposed to return for that same weekend. And I mean, this is kind of the, one of those where, you know, this is a game breaker type recruitment. This is a guy that could change the narrative up front for them immediately. Obviously you're one guy probably only going to be there three years, you know, (laughs) one of those types of guys, you know, Um, but you know, kind of the recruitments, Michigan won ones that they could have, they won a little bit early on, haven't won them at this level the last few cycles. And they are, I mean, they're going to be fighting, the same group of schools you're hearing for pretty much every other five-star right now. It's uh, Alabama, Georgia, 
Clemson, Ohio State, you know, the same. Feels like there's only six schools that are allowed to recruit five stars anymore. Uh, it feels like sometimes, but definitely one where Michigan, like I said, to push all the right buttons so far. But you know, got I got like I said, the importance of his is is can really flip the narrative for them uh, up front and can can give them a guy that you're not gonna have to wait. He's the guy who come in right away and do stuff for you. Yeah, man, you know? the significance of having a number two player in the country on your campus for the second time in a few months. Yep. I agree with you. It's, it's huge. Uh, you mentioned pushing the right buttons. You know, they got him up here. He was able to go see family. His family, they're all Michigan fans. Uh, and I got a clip for his, from his dad that I'll play right now so you can hear his dad talking about the influence of family. So here's that. So what about the fam, man? I mean, you know, are they Michigan fans? Are they Michigan State fans? Like, Man, my wife's cousins, I mean, uncles. And cousins, man, we went over to her grandma's house, and they came in with their Michigan paraphernalia on. Like, like cousin, nephew, you gotta go to Michigan. <laughs> she had an aunt that's in Washington, in Phoenix, and they were FaceTiming. She was like, nephew. You gotta go to Michigan and woo-doo-woo. And they was cracking jokes, and one of her uncles was like, tell them Ohio State, one of the people that's on the list, and watch what she say. <laughs> she, like, pitched a fit. <laughs> and so you guys, you hear it. You hear that they have a, a, a good shot there. I, I think that's the – as we talk about Walter Nolan, I always feel the, the, the need, Steve – I wonder if you do as well to tell people. I'm not saying that Michigan is the favorite. I'm not saying that they're gonna get the get the guy. I'm just saying that they have a legit chance. And I think what we've presented is indicative of them having a legit chance. But the reason why I went with Miles Pollard as the you know as the most important visitor uh, was not because of a higher profile or that, you know, Michigan is on him harder. I just think that Michigan has a better chance with with Miles Pollard. Uh, I think, my personal opinion, I think that Michigan is on top for Miles Pollard right now. I think they're the team to beat for Miles Pollard. I think his dead period, whereas I think that Michigan is one of the top teams for Walter Nolan, I think that when he comes to campus June 11th, he announced that date, you know, it, it's about Michigan solidifying its position at the top of his list, again, my opinion, not quoting him on that, but solidifying its position before he hits Oklahoma the next week. Because Oklahoma has some similar characteristics in that he has a former teammate that's there at Oklahoma. He's formed a relationship with the defensive coordinator there as well in, in Grinch. Uh, and, and Roy Manning is doing his work as the position coach. But I think Mo Linguist, who wears both hats as the co-coordinator, and the corners coach, I think that he's formed the strongest relationship of them all with Miles Pollard. And I think that that visit is one that could, you know, that could solidify Michigan as his choice. And that's why I went with with Miles Pollard again, you know, very easily could have picked Walter Nolan. If I thought Michigan led for Walter Nolan heading into that visit, I'd pick Big Walt uh, because there is no higher profile guy on the board. Than, than Walter Nolan. It's just, it's a steeper climb to get him than it is for, for Miles Pollard. And I don't mean to make that sound like it's easy. I mean, it's a tough road to hold for, for Miles as well. Oklahoma's going to be tough to beat. Washington is going to be tough to beat as well. But I think on the heels of that dead period visit that he made, uh, you know, a few weeks back, guys, I think Michigan, when he left, <laughs> and, you know, he remember he had dinner with Will Johnson, uh, and his and his dad, I think the family's got a little closer there. I just think that put Michigan on top, made him a team to beat. So June, a big month, fellas. Biggest exciting month for for us. More exciting than we've had in some time, right? Yeah, no vacations. <laughs> so yeah, no vacations in June yeah, anyway. No vacations in June this year. So <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so no, it was uh, it was uh, starting the recruiting podcast back up with the bang. We will be back on our every week schedule from this point forward. So be sure to be on the lookout. Set your notifications. Be sure to like and subscribe 
uh, this podcast. Tell all your friends about it as well. Be sure to rate and review it. That way we can keep it going and keep it growing. And, of course, folks, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.